Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, well, welcome everybody. Good evening. Glad to see you all made it. You're all uh, not shaking hands, right? You're hitting elbows or saying hi from a... I saw... Uh, and. I'm kidding, obviously. Um, I saw a post, I don't know, it was a redneck, I'm ready for the coronavirus or something, and he had a stick, and it was a 10-foot stick, you know. He said, this is how we talk, and he said, then if they get in too close, you can get <laughs> so that way spit from their mouth can't get to, you know, he was going, yeah, I think it's funny. Now, I know that, I mean, we joke, obviously, um, but... Uh, we, do, we still do use some sense, you know what I mean? Now, and I know we joked about this, I think on Sunday, but, um, you know, like around here, we have things in place already. You're supposed to wash your hands. You know, if your kids are not feeling well, you're not supposed to let them, you know, don't rub their faces in the other kids and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. So we do take those natural things. I think it's funny that the main thing with this whole thing is wash your hands. But yet it's a pandemic, you know what I mean, as far as, as far as that's concerned. So, but we'll just continue to use our faith, amen? So let's go to Psalms 91 to start. And uh, this is not part of what we're talking about. We're discussing the sovereignty of God. And um, I'm, I'm becoming, the more I learn about this, because I had basically one view on it, uh, the less I care about the, that word, that word sovereignty is not offending me as much as it used to. Um, but uh, Psalms 91, let's just declare this and say this and use our faith in it. Um, and then af- right after that, I'm just going to pray Zechariah 10, 1 again. Um, you know, if you're going to have faith, you should find it in the word. <laughs> well, really, that's the only place you're going to find it. So uh, that's why we go back to the word over and over. Amen. And, you know, it, uh, I will say this. Just going back to the written word um, can be very uneventful and, and non-thrilling to your flesh. But the results are thrilling. Okay. Just so you know, sometimes, uh, and I just believe in balance, but sometimes people think that, you know, I used to, well, I'll just say this. I used to do this a lot when I was first saved. I wanted the thrill of the moment, you know what I mean? And I, over time, I realized, wait a minute, um, there's, as I began to read the word and just discipline myself that way, I found more enjoyment out of reading the word and fellowshipping with the Lord on my own than I did trying to go to the next most exciting meeting, you know what I mean? Do you know there are trends in the church like there are in the world? There are, there are, there, there are, there are things that become popular in the church, just like there are things that become popular and fade out in the world. It's the same. Um, and so you got to be aware of that because the word never changes. Have you noticed that? It reads the same. So uh, let's just declare these things. Father, we just do. We come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that your words and your promises are true to us. That, Father, we are your children that we're in covenant with you. Father, we know uh, from your word that that covenant is based on the blood and body of Jesus Christ. We know, Lord, that before you is that mercy seat, and you are the great judge. You are the one who decides uh, and, and makes permanent what we choose in our lives. And so, Lord, we choose based on the blood and approaching based on the righteousness of, that we have in Christ Jesus, because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we do, we, we come and plead our case before you and present the evidence of the blood and the body and present the written word as as our desire um, that it would manifest your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we do, we declare, Lord, we say of you that you deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You cover us and our families under your feathers and under your wings we take refuge. Your truth is our shield and buckler. We are not afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us or ours that we have authority over 
in the name of Jesus. Only with our eyes shall we see the reward of the wicked, because we have made the Lord who is our refuge, even the Most High, our dwelling place. No evil will befall us, nor shall any plague come near our dwelling. For you, for you have given your angels charge over us, and they keep us in all our ways. In their hands they bear us up, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent we shall trample underfoot. In other words, the power of demonic activity. Lord, you said to us, because we've set our love upon you, therefore you will deliver us. You will set us on high because we have known your name. When we call upon you, Lord, you answer us. We, you are with us in trouble. You deliver us and honor us. And with long life, you satisfy us and you show us your salvation. So, Lord, we declare that according to your word. We believe you for it. We believe we receive it. We thank you that it's working and operating in our lives, in our church family, and, Lord, in the individual families that are represented. And then, Lord, those that are watching live uh, on Facebook and, and who may watch this later. And then, Lord, also we ask for rain. We ask for rain for Faith Family Church, for this body and for this city. Lord, you said you would make flashing clouds, that there would be grass in the field, plenty of supply for everyone. So we thank you for your goodness and your great mercy. Lord, we know that in and of ourselves, we don't deserve any of it. Father, we know that you came, that Christ came and died for us while we were yet sinners. So we know from your word and from your actions that you are a God of mercy, that you're a God of compassion, that you're a God of grace, which is undeserved, unearned favor. And then as we responded in faith to that, Father, that grace went from that favor place into that empowering place where we became sons and daughters of the Most High God. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of your love. We no longer are children of the enemy, but we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God, in covenant relationship with you and heirs according to the promise. And so we thank you for that. We ask you for wisdom and revelation tonight, eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. We thank you, Father, that it is your truth. Your truth is the thing that sets us free. And so we believe you for that. We believe you for greater and greater levels of freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, Galatians chapter 4 is where I'm going to go, and I'm not going to preach there in the name of Jesus, but um, you say, why do you say that? Because I could open to a scripture and say that and then teach on it for 45 minutes. Uh, I don't know why, I mean, I know why that is, but it's a unique situation and feeling. But anyway, this is something that I want to show to you because I spend time praying this for you, for the church, as a pastor. Uh, uh, Galatians 4.19 says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. This is something that actually a supplication prayer that we pray repeatedly uh, for the church. I do. It's interesting because the word formed, I don't know if this is in the, I think this is in Thayer's Greek lexicon. It means praying a change in character and conduct to correspond with our inward spiritual condition. Isn't that interesting? So I, I was reading that today, and I was going over that and just praying and praying in the Spirit, praying for the church. And I, I thought about uh, Ephesians 3, that we, we pray that, the, that, uh, that out of the riches of His glory, that we would be strengthened in our inner man. And I thought, well, inner man, I know in the Spirit I'm born again, that, that uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And yet, uh, in the church and in my own life at times, I've noticed we struggle. The area where we struggle is to get expression of what has already changed on the inside. So I'm, the, the Holy Spirit has been showing this to me as I've read and then prayed, and then he reveals the scripture to me. But... The thing that we're praying and what I'm praying and using my faith for you in is this and for myself. And then if you use your faith in it too, we can speed up the process. Did you know that? We can speed up the process. Uh, believe that your conduct and character are, go are, are gradually and increasingly corresponding with your internal spiritual condition. You know what your internal spiritual condition is? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. 
That's why I'm not addicted to drugs no more. <laughs> why? Because I found a greater power. And then that correspond as I got the revelation of that in my mind, or the illumination of it, I went, oh, that thing doesn't control me anymore. Amen? And so we talk about those things in regards to, uh, you know, like I tend to, I have tended to lean this way, but I'm seeing the value of, uh, the greater and greater value of other principles here too. I was listening to a gentleman preaching. He was talking about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and heaven as it is in heaven. He said, you know, you know, we talk about there's no sickness in heaven, so we believe for that. There's no addiction in heaven, so we believe there's no depression in heaven. Do you know there's no unforgiveness in heaven? Do you know there's no impatience in heaven? See, I can grow a little bit, <laughs> um, even more. You know what I mean? And so the, all these levels of freedom are working in us. Amen? Okay, amen? Yes, there we go. All right. So tonight we are, gonna, we are continuing our series entitled Free Will. And so first I just want to review a few of the main points we have made uh, so far. And if you want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, I will eventually get there. So just go ahead and mark it. Stick your finger in there or get it on your phone, whatever you're doing. Or your tablet or whatever you got. And uh, just know we're going to go there eventually here. But tonight we're going to continue. And so I want to review a few things. The word sovereign is actually not... Now, now... So I need to qualify this because I, I may have confused you on this and I didn't mean to. Um, it's actually not in the original language. You can find the word sovereign in, in different translations. Okay? But the word, and I looked it up today, the word is actually, uh, it's either Adonai or Jehovah is what it is. So what they've done is they've taken, you know, the Hebrew of that word and then turned it into sovereign Lord. So like in the NIV, you'll see a lot in Psalms, O sovereign Lord, which the word itself, and I said this at the beginning, um, it's less offensive to me the longer that I've studied this. Because when I've thought of sovereignty, I've always had a, a perspective on it of uh, what I've heard other people say is so the sovereignty of God. And usually, almost always, almost always, it was connected to what I felt like should have been ascribed to the devil. Okay, almost 100% of the time. I'm telling you about my experience here, okay? I'm not telling you that everybody believes that. I'm just saying this is what I've experienced. That God would be, uh, uh, that his character would, would be presented to me in such a way that uh, this evil thing happened and, you know, God is sovereign. Just kind of like that ended, that was it, and that's just kind of the answer we have. And I've always felt like, for me, uh, in, in reading Jesus, and I've made this statement before, Bill Johnson originated this statement, and I heard it actually first from, my, from Susan, uh, my mother-in-law, and then I heard him say it on a, one of his teachings. I don't remember which one. But he said this, uh, he said, Jesus is perfect theology. And sometimes people think about that, or, or it could offend people, it could be offensive to them. But Jesus is the, the scripture says, the express image of God. Uh, if you start reading about it, and I believe it's in Colossians, but the more you look at that term and what it means, it means that Jesus is, you're not getting a more perfect, he is the perfect demonstration of what God is like. Okay? Nobody else, I'm going to say this, and I don't care if it offends you, you need to think about it, okay? Nobody else in Scripture expressed God the way he did or to the same level. No one. Now, everything in Scripture is truly stated. But not everything in Scripture is a statement of truth. Okay? This is something that I... I had to, we learned this at Bible college, okay? It's truly stated, but not everything. I mean, there are accounts of things in there that God did not author. I'm, I'm not saying it's not written in the book for us to learn from. I'm saying it wasn't his will. 
Okay? So everything is truly stated, but not everything is a statement of truth. Does that make sense? Okay, so you can have an account of something in the word, like, like uh, Saul, you know, goes and, and visits a witch. How many know you're not supposed to go visit witches? That wasn't written so, oh, Saul did it? Where's 1-800, you know, read my tarot card? <laughs> you know, or what's my horoscope? Christians, and Christians, I know Christians that do this. They're like, oh, it kind of sounds like the word. It's the devil. What? I was in a guy's house one time doing some work, and this was years ago. Um, and he and he went to a church in town, and and uh, so he found out I was a minister. So you know, of course, he wants to talk about the Lord. And then he comes to me. He's like, "Yeah, I found this great uh, author a while back, and I I just love his stuff." I said, "Oh, really? What's his name?" Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. He's a nut. I mean, literally, he's got more devils, I think, than... I mean, I, I watched him. He was on Oprah Winfrey. He wrote a... I can't remember the book that he wrote. Um, something about a world changing or... You know what I mean? But he believes in everything. And this is a great book for a believer? I'm thinking, brother, you need some new teaching. You need to read your Bible more than you read that. I would never read that. I might burn it. But I would never read it. <laughs> and he said, that sounds harsh. No, it just it's biblical. They did it in the New Testament. So, but anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, 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 he was telling me about this. And I said, I said, I said, and I saw, so I'm like, I'm not letting this pass. I'm telling this guy who says he's a Christian about this. And this is wrong. So I watched Eckhart Tolle one time on, uh, I heard about him and I watched, he was on Oprah Winfrey. Well, everybody's heard of the Gospel of Oprah, right? The Gospel of Oprah is, I used to be Baptist, but I'm not anymore because they said God, I, they preached at my church that God is jealous and that offended me. Well, guess what, what a, one of God's name is, names is? Jealous. What you, Oprah, believe is what you want. You have an idol. You don't have a God. You've taken out the chisel and formed what you want. And thrown out what God has said about himself. And so this Eckhart Tolle guy is on there. And I'm watching him and I'm going. Me and actually Dan, my brother-in-law, watched him. He goes, that gave me the chills. <laughs> you know, he, I, There's more action in you know, the, the eyes or the window to the soul. There was a whole lot at home that shouldn't have been inside this guy. And he's talking about hearing voices and all this stuff. And I don't doubt he's hearing them. I don't doubt he's having real spiritual experiences, but they're not the Holy Ghost. And they're not the Lord. We need to maintain the word. So this guy's like, yeah, Eckhart Tolle. I said, oh, really? I said, he's a good minister, huh? And I had this guy pinned. I had him dead to rights. I already knew what I was going to do, and it was going to unravel it all. And he said, yeah. I said, yeah, I've heard about that guy. And uh, he, he goes, yeah, he says in his word, or in his book, he says, you know, Jesus is a prophet and he's a good man. I said, oh, he does. He says, Jesus is a good man. I'm thinking, whew, this is like fish jumping in the boat. I don't even have to, I don't even have to think, you know what I mean? And I said, oh, he says he's a good man. I said, do you consider good men to be liars? And he said, oh, no, good men don't lie. I said, well, Jesus said he's the only way to the Father. And Eckhart totally believes there's many ways. That just ended our conversation. It's just over, just like that, you know? Well, you know, I finished my work. He paid me. I hope he thought. You know what I mean? Because I didn't just go there. I mean, I was there for a reason. The Lord's trying to save his skin. And so we need to be aware of the word and be conscious of it, know it, and then don't just follow everything that's going around. Be aware realize that there are three wills working in the earth. There's God's, there's Satan's, and there's yours. And then everybody around you. How many realize you cannot control other people? How many realize God is not controlling everybody? Okay, he's not. He's not in control of everything that's going on. If he is, he sure got it in a mess. So when we look at God's sovereignty and who he is, 
we got to start at the beginning where his, his will, and we looked at this already. I'm not going back to Genesis. You have to go back and listen to last week's. We have to look at where his will was in full manifestation with no other influences if we're going to understand God. Because that's his express image. And then we saw through Genesis 1 and then 2 and then 3 that as God, God did what? He turned over dominion of his creation to who? Us, right? Okay? And then in the process of that, he didn't just turn it over with no instruction, with no pre-warning to the temptation that was coming. They knew. So you say, Adam and Eve, you know, uh, uh, Adam knew what he was doing. The scripture says it. He made a decision to go that way. Now, I know there's deception, and I'm not going to get into this because it's such, a, it's such a big thing, but I want you to think in the reality of this. When you're reading through the scripture, don't just narrow your mind down into one or two little verses. Think in context of the word and the, and the account of what is given to you. Don't just think in terms of... Um, you know, like if something goes wrong in your life, don't just automatically go to, oh, I sinned. Well, maybe. But it's possible you just got attacked by the enemy. And there wasn't any sin. You're just on the rock. And so is Satan. You say, what rock? The third rock from the sun. Earth. It's a country song. Everybody knows it. <laughs> it's perfect theology, right? Anyway, realize you're here and you have an enemy. You know, people sometimes think, well, oh, I got this going on. Now, if you're in fear from the start of the, of the moment the attack comes, you're in trouble. The other side of it is, I don't agree with the attitude of que sera, sera. I don't see where Jesus said, well, just take it in stride, brother. It's all going to be okay. I don't see that. I see fight the good fight of, I see engagement in the battle, but don't let the enemy rule your mind in it. And you say, that's not very easy. It's to fight the good fight of faith. I, I understand the, 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 the battle there, but the more you, the more you fight, the, I'll just put it to you this. If you continually roll over, the enemy will take you out and he'll make you miserable the whole way. But if you fight back on him, he'll learn. I'm not saying he's going to leave you alone for the rest of your life. You, you know, people say, pray that the devil will leave me alone. Well, we can pray that you go to heaven. <laughs> but as long as you're here, but we don't have a ministry of the 45 Magnum. <laughs> we just don't have that ministry here. <laughs> okay. We do, we, that, that, that's not what you want to do anyway. You want to fight the fight of faith. A lot of times people are just looking for the easy way out. But God doesn't, you don't need empowerment for easy. You need empowerment and strength for fight. Amen? And uh, what you're not quite seeing is if, if, you're, if your mind towards, is constantly leaning towards why and I, I wish this didn't happen and all of that, you're going to find yourself weak constantly. But if your mind leans toward the word of God, which, you know, Paul did express in his word, in his uh, epistles, some of the physical and emotional struggle that he experiences. But there's one thing about Paul. You know where he's going to before it's all said and done. I can do all things through Christ. I do not believe Paul was depressed. Now, I believe Paul felt the spirit of depression and that he had real feelings of down at times. But what I see from him is that he didn't accept that as the will of God. He went, I'm supposed to praise him right now. I'm going to declare the goodness of God. I'm not going to look at my circumstance and say, just get into a why or how come this has to happen to me. Any of that. I'm going to worship him in the middle of this jail cell. You know, and that's a good response. You know, what, you know what else is a good response if you're going to be beheaded the next day? Sleep. Peter gives us a, a good response. Why? What, what is, the, is, is Peter just indifferent? Or they that are of faith do enter into a nap. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he's sleeping so hard. We've talked about this before that an angel had to wake him up. 
the request of the Father to you and the empowerment to you is that in the midst of the, of the destruction that's going on or the evil that's trying to happen is that he's asking you to respond in faith. It's not just me, the preacher, going, why has he got to go over it again? It's the Lord is saying, hey, believe me. If you believe me, I'll move. And that is a... The goal of ministry and ministers is that you grow in your relationship with the Lord and you get intimate with Him. The goal of ministry is not that I become the confessional and you come to me and I'm your priest and I'm the one that talks to God for you. That's not the goal. You say, Do you, but you talk to the Lord for me. Of course. As, as, a, as a minister of the gospel, as one who's called into that place, but not from the standpoint of doing everything for you, but from the standpoint of, Lord, help me help them know you like Jesus did when he was here. Right? That's the goal, right? Why? How many know it's nice when things are going wrong, but you don't need to call everybody to pray for you because you know you're with the Lord. You, we're good. We're good. It's nice. In fact, you'll get to the point as you grow in your relationship with the Lord that you won't just call everybody. But you'll call those who know Him. And you know know Him. Because your perspective changes. And you can, in the middle of things, you can go, yeah, it's rough. But I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And people say, Oh, they, the, 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 the doctor said uh, that it's over. <laughs> That's not the light. The light is his word. The doctor will just have to catch up to what I already know. Yep. It's just that way. That's what faith is. Well, that offends my mind. It should. We were talking about this in prayer on Tuesday. We had corporate prayer yesterday and Today's Wednesday. Um, I'm in the right place. <laughs> and uh, I said, the Bible is unreasonable. If it was reasonable, the world would just receive it. They function in reason all the time. The Bible, doesn't, the Bible does not impart uh, reason. It imparts faith. And we walk by faith and not by, yeah. It's unreasonable to say no plague shall come near my dwelling. It's reasonable to buy all the toilet paper you possibly can. And when they limit you at Walmart and Laurel, you go to Winco. And when they limit you there, you go to Costco. And then when they limit you there, but eventually you'll get your enough insulation, as Jan pointed out to me in a story, you'll be able to insulate your shed when you don't use it all. She didn't do that. She knew somebody who did that. In 1977, see, this is not a new spirit. The, the, the toilet paper devil has been around <laughs> since actually the year of my birth, which was 1977. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you can be in faith. And people say, well, I already got, you know, I'm already in the middle of trouble. He's with you in trouble. He will deliver you and honor you. You know that word carries financial? Look up the word honor sometime. It carries financial. Time to wake up. Somebody's alarm's going on. Um, it carries financial with it as well. So God, you say, why well, say that? Well, the stock market is, you know. And if, 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 here's the thing. What's the reality? The reality is, is I've actually invested most of my money into a market that cannot be touched by this earth. Did you know that? 
You know I have not woken up in the middle of the night going, Oh God, what are we going to do? I sleep all the way through, unless my wife hits, hits me. Then I wake up. You know, she doesn't do that often. Actually, I don't know if she ever has. <laughs> she might have pulled the blankets or something, you know. I know you've never done that, so. Why? Why? What if everything falls apart and the world blows up tomorrow? We go to heaven. You've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. Do you know every fear is tied to the fear of death? Whether it's big or small. What we we consider big or small. It's all tied to the fear of death. We know how to get to heaven. Jesus is the way. Paul said whether we live or die, we what? We walk by we walk by faith. Right? So we don't have to be um, you know, what are you declaring over your house? What are you declaring over your kids? What are you declaring over and then in the midst of something that comes and it doesn't look good, what are you doing in that? Because he's with you. Well, what's going to happen then? Oh, I thought, you know, the, the people say, well, I thought you said that, that nothing was going to happen to you and now this has happened. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in the midst of everything, he delivers me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear all the evil possible. For thou art with me. <laughs> Do you, I have to say it that way because whether we realize it or not, we yield to the fear quicker than we should. And so we got to be aware of that so that we resist it. Amen? You say, what's that got to do with sovereignty? Nothing. Um, but it is really good. Okay, so the word sovereign is actually, uh, is not actually used in the scriptures that I've been able to find. Now, if you found it, yeah, I'm talking about in the Greek or the Hebrew, then let me know and I'll gladly change um, what I say about that. Um, I did a search for sovereign this afternoon. Sovereignty is used in terms of, so it's used in the description of, actually in the New King James, it actually calls uh, Saul's kingdom that he had sovereignty over areas. Um, talking about King Saul in the Old Testament. And so that's in 1 Samuel, but it's actually not in the Hebrew. I tried to find it. You can't find it. It's not there. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, the idea of sovereignty, uh, according to, uh, let me see if I have the definition here. I want to read it again. According to the dictionary, dictionary.com, um, sovereignty means supreme, having supreme rank. How many would think God has that? Power or authority. He's got that. It means greatest in degree. God calls himself the highest, the most high, right? He's the greatest. He's the utmost or extreme. It says being above all others in character, importance, and excellence. So if that's your definition of God, as far as him being sovereign, I'm okay with that, okay? Uh, That doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't, you know, uh, because there's not being ascribed to his character evil. In other words... If the, if the, what Jesus called the devil, we should not call God. Okay? We just shouldn't. Now, if we don't understand what happened, we should just say that. But why do we have to put it on God? I just don't see the need for that. We do that out of our own insecurity. I've done that, those things out of my own insecurity. In other words, I don't understand, but it should go somewhere, and I'm sure God knows. But what ends up happening is I end up blaming God for what happened or somehow holding it to his character or his fault. Well, when I look to the word, I don't see where God said, where uh, God uh, made Adam eat from the tree and Eve eat from the tree. I see where God told them to be aware, don't, don't eat of it, you're going to surely die, there's a snake coming, be aware, have dominion, subdue, dominate, all those things. He didn't say, you know, uh, now you're not going to understand this, but somehow I'm going to work through you and I'm going to make you eat from the tree. Can I ask you a question? And this is one of my biggest things with this. 
God has called us to have faith. When I read through the scriptures where faith is specifically mentioned, there is an attitude that has to be, there's, there's an understanding about who the one you have faith in that can't be wishy-washy. James is one of the, I mean, is one of the best. And so is John, 1 John. But in other words, if I'm going to have faith in you, if you consistently go back and forth on what you say and what you do, where's that faith level going to be? It's going to be low, right? Because faith is built on the character of the one giving the promise. Right? So, when it comes to God's sovereignty, there has to be, if we're going to have faith, and they're going to tie together here, and we're going we're to have understanding about his, his excellence, His supremeness, if we're called to have faith, then there has to be an understanding of who He is that's stable. Have you ever read through the promises of God and thought, how could somebody unstable promise this? So then people do this. Well, they, well, why didn't, I didn't receive it. So, or it didn't go the way that God said. So why do we automatically go to it's God's fault? I've never understood that. Now, I've done it, but it doesn't mean I understand it. <laughs> it doesn't make it right either. You're telling me the perfect one missed it in my relationship with him. And in the process, and this is where I get into this, there's some mysterious thing that we just don't know and God's in heaven going, no, you can't have that promise. I disagree. I don't think he's the problem. I think we have an enemy and I think we have humanity. And it's been the problem since the beginning. I don't ever see that God was the problem. Now, what do I do see about God? I see that in the midst of the humanity and the enemy, he's constantly working to do good and be merciful. And be Now, if, if you want to talk to me about the sovereignty of God, I will talk to you about how Jesus healed whole multitudes when there was no faith present. That is a sovereign move of God. Amen? Amen? Okay. You say, why is that? Because it was... How many saved people were around when Jesus was walking the earth? Zilch. He'd have to be resurrected first. And yet he went into cities. And what? Healings flowed. Miracles flowed. Right? Has he changed? Maybe our expectation has. Maybe we're waiting for him to do something when he's waiting for us to believe him for it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Right? Does Jesus need to come and show that he loves the world again by dying again and going through all over that all over again? No, see, we easily exercise our faith in that area. You want to know why? Because we've been overly, 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 overly taught on it. To where what? Faith is established. What about all the other promises? What about all the other promises? Are they not just as true? See, I think we should just go out as far as we possibly can here and please God as much as we possibly can while we're on the planet so that you know, Ramey used to say it to us like this. I'd rather shoot from, for the moon and land among the stars. In other words, believe big. Now, this is what you have to do. Because my own natural mind will fight me. You need to sit there and go, this is irrational, Lord, but I'm going to trust you for this word. Because I don't have, I don't, you didn't call me to have a rational mind. You called me to have a transformed mind. Right? Okay? You called me to do things out of the norm. 
You called me to live out of the norm. That's why I feel like, and it's, it's true, and the Lord has been emphasizing these passages to me, um, like concerning the offerings. A fish, a gold coin in a fish's mouth. You know, any heathen, unsaved, it, that word's not used much anymore, but Gentile, non-convert, child of the devil, can put money in stocks and make it grow. I shouldn't say make it, but, but pr- learn, and boy, they can make money. But not every heathen can cast a line out into a creek and pull in a fish off a prophetic word and get gold out of it. Well, Sean, now, you know, and I can feel the religious nerves start to jump when you talk like that. I can feel it. Well, now, you don't want to go overboard. You're right. We'll just stay in line with Jesus. Line. Don't. <laughs> in other words, you're saying that's a promise to everybody. I'm going to say, no, I'm saying if your mind stops you here when I share it with you, the Lord won't be able to say it to you later if he wants to. Right? You say, why? Because you're already blocked. You're already stopping them. Well, Lord, we fished all night. Peter had enough sense. When you really grow up spiritually, you won't even tell the Lord you fished all night. You just go, yes, Lord, at your word. (laughs) But we got to give him credit. He wasn't even saved yet. So, (laughs) But that's what God loved about Peter. Jesus, why? If that's you, Lord, bid me come. Jesus is probably going, that boy opens his mouth and thinks later. (laughs) Come! (laughs) You know? It's, uh, what did somebody say to me the other day about a certain person they were working with? That they are uh, ready, shoot, aim. (laughs) Or shoot, ready, aim. That's what it was, I think is what it was. You know, that's not the best way to do it, you know. But the Lord works with us, amen? Okay? (laughs) Praise God. And we talked about sovereignty. We talked about what it is. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30 and we'll wrap up here. We've got about 15 minutes. Deuteronomy 30, verse 1. Let's see if there's choice here. Okay? It says this, Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, verse 3, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Now, we're going to see this at the end of this, but, but I'm going to say this here. Why were they scattered? Because they disobeyed the Lord. Was it the Lord's will that they were scattered? No. He never wanted it in the first place. Now, does, does God declaring that, that he knows humanity will do things because he knows their temperament, does that mean that it was his will for them? No. It just means he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's Jehovah, Adonai. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is God in heaven. There is, he knows the end from what? He spoke it. That means the end is in Genesis. <laughs> Come on. I love these revelations, man. They just, they boggle your head, but they thrill your heart. So, what do we see here? What is the Lord's will in verse 3? The Lord is to bring them back. That's His will. The Lord's will is what? Compassion. The, the Lord's will is what? Gathering. The Lord's will is not scattering. That's what we do when we ignore Him. That's how we accomplish things. We, we, without Him, can do nothing. You could be running around doing a lot of things, but you're doing nothing if you're without him. Amen? Verse 4. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, 
From there, the Lord your God will what? And, and from there, he will bring you, uh, he'll bring you back. Verse 5, then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed. So even if, you're, even if you, your fathers lost the land, you can get it back. Right? You say, what's that got to do with? Because sometimes kids, kids, young people are, uh, or, um, and uh, kids of parents, the parents aren't even serving the Lord, but the kids are. What are they doing? They're going back to the land, the promised land. Amen? Because why? They had enough of eating the world stuff. He says he'll bring you back. He'll, br- he'll bring you back to the, to the uh, land that your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will what? Prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. How many like that word? Verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Verse 7. Also the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and those who hate you, who persecuted you. And some people sometimes think, yeah, I got an evil boss. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Remember, this is the old covenant here. When I think of curses going on to somebody, they can go back to the devil where they came from. You don't want a curse on anybody. It's not God's will that a curse be on anybody, but that redemption would come. Amen? All right. We just need to clarify that. I think this is interesting here too. I want to look at this. Also, the Lord your God will put. Well, that sounds like they're his, doesn't it? Read it. What's it say? Come on, I'm not scared. (laughs) You don't be scared either. The Lord your God will what? Put. Okay. I looked up the word put. Isn't that smart? Another word for put is let. Assign. Give over. In other words, the Lord will... Give you over to what you decide. So if the Lord says to you, here's, the, here's where we live in fellowship. But if you go outside these boundaries, I will give you over to what you're choosing. There are there are uh, two spiritual forces working in the earth. God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and there's the enemy, correct? And his demons. There are no more. You know, people sometimes, oh no, this religion has, uh, you know, millions of gods. They have millions of demons. That's it. This is not impressive, okay? We don't need to figure out what all the demons are. We need to realize that they're there and that if we're going to function away from them, we stay in the Word. We stay with the Holy Spirit, Amen. And so if we function within his covenant, in fellowship with him, empowered by him. Now, this is talking about willful decisions, okay? This is not talking about you making a mistake, being deceived, sinning, yielding to your flesh, sinning. In other words, this is an intentional thing, okay? They're choosing, I don't want you, God. Well, if you don't want God, what is left? Now watch, people will do this. This is another deception of the enemy. They'll sit, they'll go, well, I don't even believe in God or the devil. Congratulations, you have devils. I mean, God will still be there. And guess what God will continue to do? He'll continue to extend his compassion and mercy the whole time somebody's worshiping the devil. How many former uh, demon devil worshipers, Church of Satan people who are now preachers and saved, filled with the Spirit of God and going around ministering the gospel to people? It wasn't because God's in heaven going, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm giving up on my will for you. But if you want to eat moldy food, he'll let you. The devil's table, it looks really nice. It's just that all the food is plastic. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Accidentally grabbed one of them fake? Kind of, oh, that's not an orange. <laughs> all right. We needed to laugh. Okay, so. What verse was I in there? Seven, that's where I was. Okay, thank you. 
It means to deliver up or, or to give over. Does God have curses? Does God have uh, demonic power to give you? He doesn't. That's not his nature. And so that's uh, that we need to understand that. Okay? And I believe as you think that way, you'll see it more and more. And you will again, verse 8, obey the voice of the Lord your God and do all his commandments which I command you today. How many know our commandments under the new covenant? I love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And people say, well, you know, we got the Ten Commandments. You won't, do, you won't violate the Ten Commandments if you walk in love. You won't. You won't do it. Just walk in love. People say, well, I tried. Stop trying and live from the inside out. You, the law, the law was, had the ability and was for constraint. The New Testament grace is empowerment. Okay? The law was given, it was a standard, it was legal, it was law, it was boundaries. Now you have empowerment to live from within. And until we got to get our minds renewed to that, because, and we will, more and more and more. Because what's happening? Christ is being what? Formed in us. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. This is what you should be declaring over everything that's going on right now naturally. You say, what's happening? The money in the earth, the things, the the blessing of God, the things that are going on in the earth do not dictate to me What God has said about me. God does not need, uh, he doesn't even necessarily need the money in the earth to bless you. He will bless you out of it. But in every area, God is not concerned. His promises are not conditional to economy. They are not. They are not. They never will be. Amen? Aren't you thankful? I am. Verse 10. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of this law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. For this commandment which I command you today is not mysterious for you, nor is it far off. Look at verse, uh, I love that verse. Keep that verse in your mind, verse 12 now. Is it not, it is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us? that we may hear it and do it. It, uh, Verse 13, Nor is it beyond the sea, that you should say, Who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. In other words, these three verses are in here to take the excuses out of us. That's why they're there. In other words, God God realizes the temperament of humanity without Him and without His understanding within them. And you know what it goes to quickly? Well, I'm only human. Who will go and do this for me? Instead of realizing you are empowered to go get. You have it. He lives in you. You are empowered by the Spirit to do. And the more that our minds are transformed in this, the more we will demonstrate greater levels of what is unreasonable and miraculous and spectacular to the world. It shouldn't make sense. The world, listen, any sinner can be nice to somebody who's nice to them. Right? Any sinner can do that. Any sinner can, you scratch my back. Right? Christians can love those who hate them. That is power. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Is that reasonable? It's unreasonable. You don't know what they did to me. That's not what we should be looking at. We should be looking at what, what Jesus did for. Well, it's not fair. I'm not even going there with you. All right? Because, yeah, I just, I'm not going to. 
The Lord has set before us, verse 14. Verse 14. So no excuses, verse 13. But the, Lord, the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. That's a quotation in the New Testament, right? All right, uh, Paul pulled off that. See, I have set before you today, what? Life and death and, okay. To set before means to permit, to commit, to give over, to deliver up. It means to be given, to be entrusted to. So in other words, God set this before you. Now whose responsibility is it? Okay. They've been set, right? Option. To set before, in front. The word before just means basically in front, okay? He set before us these things. Verse 16. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes and judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will will what? Bless you in the land you, which you go to possess. Just say it with me. Say, my land, my land is blessed, blessed and multiplying. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you are drawn and are drawn away and you worship other gods and serve them, I announce you to you today that you shall surely perish. Does that sound like any other verse we've ever read before? <laughs> if you eat of that tree, you shall what? Surely Die. The decision, the the wills, the three wills that have been functioning have not stopped. They're still functioning. Every day, you and I can choose to eat from the knowledge of good and evil or from the tree of life who is Jesus Christ. Amen? He says this. He says, I announced to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land. So if you don't live for the Lord, what could happen? Your days could be what? Shortened. Well, you just never know when you're going to die. It's just up to God. That doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like Proverbs to me where it says, if you do these things, you'll extend your days and multiply them. Again, this is one of those things where I, I, I feel like God's getting a rap. Now, I don't think God's in heaven going, I can't believe they said that about me again. He's not insecure, but we don't want to project that to other people concerning our Father. Okay? If we don't know, we just don't know. Let's just leave it at that. Let's not try and explain something that we don't understand. Okay, so verse 19, I'm going to skip down here and then we'll stop. He says, this is where I want to end anyway. I call heaven and earth as what? Are there, does God have any witnesses as to who he is and to what he said? Does it matter if we come up with something different? No, because the witnesses are true. And the witnesses are where? They're both places right now. Amen? He says, against you, so that's, we're, we're the ones that are in the middle here. We're the ones that are sitting at, the, at what's been set before us. That I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, that both you and your descendants may what? He even says, A, B, choose A. Yeah, hint, this will be on the test. How many had a teacher that did that? This will be on the test, choose life. Now watch, what else are you choosing when you choose life? Blessing. They go together. What is the other one? Cursing and what? Death, they go what? Hand in hand. Life and blessing. So what, this is God Almighty before the witnesses of earth and heaven saying, choose life. And that extends beyond going to heaven when you die. I said that extends beyond going to heaven when you die. Amen? So there are how many wills operating in the earth? Three, right? So, do you know what I'm going to do next week? 
I'm going to go to Romans chapter 9. The Calvinist's favorite chapter. And we're going to go down through it. And I've already started studying it, and it's going to be great. But if you want to be confused before you come, read it, and I'll see you next Wednesday. (laughs) God bless you guys. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.